This is the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast, where we cover books, beverages, and the general BS of the day. A few disclaimers, we are not literary experts, or experts in anything for that matter, and explicit content should be expected. I am your host, Barry Price. I hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon, fellas. Howdy. Afternoon. Jared, what are you drinking? Drinking some ranch water with uh, Larceny Straight Bourbon Whiskey. The canned ranch water or a... No, a Topo Chico. So it's Topo Chico and whiskey. Oh, yeah, there is a brand. There is a brand. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. My bad. H-E-B brand, right? Uh, no, there's there is an HEB brand. They're actually the better ones, I think. What the, so that's whiskey and Topo Chico and lime with lime. Is that good? I think it's good. I just found a recipe for <clears throat> West Texas ranch water. It is Topo Chico, lime juice, and tequila. Yeah, that's a, allegedly what inspired the canned ranch waters. Okay. So, Topo Chico on anything. It's it's Tito's and Topo just with tequila. Yeah, I've had tequila twice in my life. Yeah, I've been going for it. It's never been a sipping on drink for me. That's for sure. The one time I did had it, I had, I had it with you when we were in high school at that go kart place on Fourth of July. <laughs> I had taken a one of those individual size airplane ones. And poured it on top of a Coke can. Like, in, <laughs> didn't mix it up or anything. I didn't know any better. Of it. <laughs> and that, I almost threw up. Yeah, it was a warm Coke, too. Straight, <laughs> straight tequila on top of the hot. Probably been bouncing around in the back of the truck for. Yeah. <laughs> or golf cart. Yeah. That's where I got it from. That's funny. I think I've only ever shot tequila. I th- yeah, I think so too. Unless it's in high school doing something stupid with it. <laughs> I guess I've had margaritas and stuff, but I, I had a watermelon margarita at Papacitos with you when we went to Dallas one time, and that was the last time I ever had it. Yeah, I'm not a huge margarita fan. Uh, and forgive me, everybody, I've got a bit of a cold. So if I sound like I've got a bit of a cold. Because I do. COVID. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> John, what are you drinking? Tito's and Topo with lime. Good, with the lime. Yep. I pulled an avocado out. I'm like, Katie, this lime's kind of black. Yeah. And then she pulled the limes <laughs> out for me. That's funny. I'm going to have to steal that one. I'm drinking a HEB sparkling water with caffeine. So... They're not very good. They're all right. <laughs> They've got a... They're better than you would expect them to be, is how I'll put that. <laughs> so, uh, not much anything to follow up on from the last episode, I don't think, other than uh, Arkansas beat Tech in the basketball game. Damn it. And then it's <laughs> it was a good game. To, yeah, it was it a really was a good, good game. game. Uh, and then the Arkansas won the next game too, so made it to the Elite Eight. On well, the, by the time this episode was released on Sunday, they'll be in the national championship. I was actually, I was actually meaning to check the timing on all that. So, guess we'll see. Uh, what books do y'all have, John? I have Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. Nice. Love John Krakauer. Jared? I have Coyote America by Dan Flores. Nice. I'm excited about that. I've got uh, The Dog Stars by Peter Heller. Yeah. So it's ought to be good. John, let's hear it. All right. Well, this is a book I've read before. It's Under the Banner of Heaven, a story of violent faith. 
by John Krakauer. You may know him from Into the Wild or Into Thin Air, both of which have been made into movies. Um, into Thin Air, I think it's called Everest, and he's part of the movie. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I've read all of his books. I'm a big fan of his. I just decided to pick this one up. And it is about, the, the main story is about two fundamentalist Mormons who murdered their sister-in-law and their niece and because they said God told them to. So that's, that's kind of where the title comes from, Under the Banner of Heaven. So they're using heaven as their um, justification for committing these murders. But it's a, it's a really good book on how the Mormon faith came to be from uh, Joseph Smith. I think that he's like it was started in New York. That's where he uncovered the tablets back in the eight, 1820s. And they, as they migrated across the U.S. and ultimately ended up in Utah and how polygamy played a major role in the Mormon faith and how the U.S. stepped in and basically forced them to denounce polygamy. Um, but kind of the offshoot of that is once the Mormon faith denounced the polygamy, <clears throat> a lot of like fundamentalist sects broke off and formed their own colonies. So they're still like Mormon, but they're they're fundamentalist um, Latter-day Saints is kind of what the designation they get. And there's still colonies today, like uh, Colorado City up in Arizona. There's one in uh, Bountiful, Canada, and then Mexico's got a pretty sizable population. But they'll still practice polygamy, not by legally marrying, but uh, by legally marrying one wife and then taking on second and third and fourth wives. Um, but it's kind of how the story ties back to how these guys decided to, that the Mormon church was not enough for them. So they had basically joined up with one of these fundamentalist groups and they started hearing things from God and having prophecies. And one of those prophecies was to kill their sister-in-law of their youngest brother or their wife of their youngest brother. And um, then it <clears throat> talks about the, the kind of hunt for them and how they ultimately caught them and their life in prison. And I really enjoyed reading it. I kind of blew through it. Barry, uh, I was talking to Barry about it in Savannah. <laughs> like, guess what? I can't believe this happened. But um one thing that kind of shocked me growing up, I was, I grew up around a lot of Mormons because I grew up out West, but I'm surprised that we didn't learn more about them as part of like American history because they were a big part of it. Uh, they're the American religion, as people call it, uh, because it was started in America and then they moved. Um, they had kind of, in Missouri, they fought a war against like the whole state and then moved out to Utah to avoid prosecution. Persecution is the word. And um, then fought with the government a lot about the polygamy stuff. So all of that was really interesting to learn, especially growing up in New Mexico around a lot of Mormons. So it was a good book and I would recommend it to anybody who wants to know more about that and he kept it very interesting throughout the whole thing even though it was kind of a history book but he had a good backstory with it or kind of I guess feature story with it to keep it interesting I really enjoy his writing crack hours I think I think I'm going to pick up another one of his for the next episode which one are you looking at Missoula oh nice he wasn't painted in a very good light in Everest yeah. <laughs> oh, he is a journalist. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think people have a very good view of journalists when they're around them. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Did uh what was the government's issue with them being polygamists? 
Um, one, it just violated federal law and they oh. didn't like that. Um, and they were trying to take the, I don't know the history behind it, but they had acquired the Utah territory in this time. And so they became part of America and they wanted to make it a state. Oh, another part of that too, with the issue is basically Brigham Young was running a theocracy. So he was in, completely in charge of every everybody, the government and the religion at the time. So you may know Brigham Young from BYU University. Yeah. Or BYU. John, you, you were talking about in Savannah uh, about articles that the Mormon church was yes. buying up. Yeah. So Is that correct? That, that one got a little <laughs> bit of a mention in the book, but there's a there's a a limited series on Netflix called Murder Amongst the Mormons or something close to that. And mm. Mormons are really into their history and genealogy. And so they will, they have mm. a big archive. And this guy started selling documents and stuff that he had found to back to the church. And um, I won't give it away, but he, he basically ended up being a forger of these documents. And um, he was mentioned in the book as one of the people in jail with one of the two brothers that were in jail for murder. Shit is wild to yeah. me, man. I feel like I actually remember that story. Was that? I think those were in the 80s. So. No, probably not. I watched so many true crime things with Kathy. I can't even. <laughs> keep up with them um there are some good one-star reviews i did oh, have to click, I, I had to click <laughs> off speaking of actually uh criticism from the church um i've always wanted to see the the play or the musical book of mormon by the south park guys and people were really worried for them that there was going to be a lot of pushback from the mormon church and they were like no they're going to be cool uh-huh. and <laughs> and they were they um they actually bought space on the playbill uh, now that you've seen the the play read the book or something okay. like that. <laughs> yeah that's so, clever i thought that was pretty cool that they were cool about it um so the first one is waste of time and energy and the book is a little more than a soap opera plot the writing is pedestrian and lacks subtlety and nuance i disagree with that um you might expect to find such a book at airport, airport kiosks under the <laughs> true romance heading. Okay. I guess they don't make, think they didn't make it very far. <laughs> That's funny. Another one is this is hate speech disguised as journalism. Oh, there you go. As a former member of the LDS church, this Latter-day Saint, I do not frequently find myself in a position of defending an institution I chose to leave. However, under the banner of heaven takes the most basic elements of Islamophobia and applies them to Mormonism. The one religion most Americans agree it's okay to hate. <clears throat> I, I mean, there's criticism in the book and I don't, I just don't think it was hate for, for it. I think it's legitimate criticism and um, things they should look into. I don't think there was any hate involved in it. It's the same way you would look at Westboro Baptist Church or ISIS or whatever. It's the, it's the same kind of thing. You're looking at the extremists of the group. Right. And, there, and there's extremists in every group. Left, right, any religion, football fans. Yeah. <laughs> but go give it a read. Jared, let's hear about Coyote America. America. Yeah. Um. First off, I, I probably wouldn't have picked out this book, but I uh, it was recommended by a friend at work, and I saw it in Big Ben at the at a at that bookstore next to the Starlight, and then I saw it on Ben Masters' Instagram feed, and I was like, "Oh, it's a sign! I got to read this book." But uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did. Uh, very very in depth on the uh, the coyote or coyote. I guess is how I should now be pronouncing it. But um, so Dan Flores uh, touches on just about everything about the coyote um, from the Indian tales of the old man coyote, which is basically 
an, a, an avatar version of the coyote, which was kind of confusing. He started off with that, uh, but but eventually went went on to uh, Lewis and Clark's expedition, uh, um, and how the original name for the coyote was Prairie Wolf, which I thought was pretty interesting, and and how long it took, uh, uh, you know expeditions to track down to to come to the name of coyote and how many misspellings were were of it through the years uh it was, it was just really interesting uh people were spelling in all sorts of crazy ways every expedition was calling it something else but eventually someone finally put a scientific name on it and, and uh but the indians were calling it coyote forever but these uh these uh white man expeditions coming in there <laughs> or uh or we're calling it uh, the prairie wolf <laughs> it wasn't until they they heard the indians calling it coyote and, the, and they were like man what the hell are they saying <laughs> <laughs> trying to put it into english so that's how you have the spelling of it now uh so that was that was really fascinating and, and it i'm glad it got to that instead of prairie wolf uh, right right yeah it was way better than, than prairie wolf but uh and it, it was kind of funny too they're they're like we we found this this new species of wolf and when the entire time that the indians have known it for years and years and years <laughs> like they were talking about like a brandy thing but uh but they, and then it goes into the the uh there's a chapter here the arch predator of our time which was probably my favorite uh chapter here and i'll just touch on a little bit uh talking about the, the history of, of ranchers settling in the West and in high density populations of wolves and coyotes and, uh, and how the coyote was deemed the arch predator of our time. Cause it was, uh, sheep farming was a huge industry, uh, back in the day. And, uh, coyotes like to eat sheep so <laughs> they 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 got the they got the name after 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 the wolf was gone rest in peace there was they they had they had to, to lay the blame on on the coyote because the sheep were still missing or, or being uh eaten by coyotes which come to find out it was actually an extremely small percentage but you, you got to blame something and uh that was the coyote um but it was really fascinating uh there's been a, there's been a, a crazy hunt. They they tried to wipe coyotes off the face of the earth, but they couldn't do it. Um, they could do it by with with the wolf, but they couldn't do it to the coyote because they are able to um, have larger litters when they sense that there is a, a population decline. Or if, if if their population is full and you're in you're meeting the carrying capacity of the land, they'll have smaller litters. But if all these adults are being wiped out, these these females will have like huge litters of pups, and so you you'll you never actually you get them regulated. Come close, yeah. You they never came close, and they're still they're spending millions and millions of dollars. Like uh, there there was a. There was, I think, in the sixty there in the sixties, there was a program to completely eradicate coyotes, and it was funded for ten years on very little scientific background. Uh, just go go and annihilate them, but it was a complete failure because because of that. Uh, then he touches on on the on how you know there's a population of coyotes thriving in Chicago, right. uh, living in, in New town, York. Yeah. yeah. And where they, where they not, where they should never be found. And, uh, um, and that a lot of that has to do with, with man and they kind of, they have moved with man to these, to these populations, which is a uh, pretty wild. Yeah. And there was like, uh, I think if I remember correctly in the book, he describes in LA, they're trying to get wolves or they're trying to get coyotes out of LA, but 
people start freaking out because every person living in the city limits is no more than a mile away from the nearest coyote. And they don't even know, they don't even know that they're there. <laughs> uh, but. It probably wouldn't even know it was a coyote if they saw it. Right. Yeah, probably right. think it was a dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But California has a similar issue with uh, mountain lions. They, they banned hunting, but they're, mm-hmm. since they're, no one's hunting them, they're reproducing and causing mm-hmm. problems in the cities and but the californians in the that are voting for don't have really have the problem mm-hmm. in the inner cities even but they're just out there working right. <clears throat> ready to get your dog right <laughs> and that, that's what they're, they're they're you know i think it did take someone's dog or, or or something and there was a huge effort to try to get rid of coyotes and people are freaking out oh they're everywhere and uh but they he really dan flores focused on focuses on on the the coyote's ability to adapt to all sorts of conditions from its native range to you know the rainforest in washington and oregon and and then thriving in city environments like it can do anything Uh, like it can thrive anywhere i i've i've only seen two coyotes that i can remember Mm -hmm. one of them was in this city i live in and in in the city not in a neighborhood like uh-huh. on the main street where the with the walmart is and the other one i've seen was in big bend national park right. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we did see two one. completely different environments yeah. but one, it's amazing that one like, in big bend could care less about us too yeah <laughs> but i mean you, you just think two completely different environments and they're both thriving uh i I remember them growing up, up around Amarillo, they were a big problem all the time. It was basically had free reign on them, kind of like pigs are now almost. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they kind of remind me of is pigs and their ability to reproduce and our inability to eradicate them. Yeah. I don't think we should eradicate them, but like we can't even reduce the numbers. We kill 400,000 a year from a mm-hmm. study I just pulled up. Yeah. <laughs> I had heard something. I've heard of this book several times from Meat Eater, mm-hmm. who Stephen Rodella studied under Dan Flores, I think. Um, he's been on Rogan too, discussing this podcast, uh, the book. And I think they said something like that there's coyotes in every county in the contiguous United States. Yeah. And I couldn't I couldn't confirm that in a quick Google search, but they are in all four, they're in all 49 states except for hawaii so that's a matter of time yeah yeah. (laughs) that's what they need to take over to deal with the uh (laughs) that deer population problem they got yeah (laughs) but i'm looking at deer yeah i'm looking at a picture right now of a coyote at a in a portland uh portland oregon looks like a, a metro rail or something it's sitting on the, on the chair like curled up <laughs> i was just going for a ride <laughs> knows the most efficient way around town yeah right it was all the stops yeah that's funny so you so you spoke about the um like them trying to eradicate coyotes mm-hmm. and and also wolves mm-hmm. um, and they actually succeeded with wolves for the most part um, I thought there, I've been really interested in the gray wolves that they re- reintroduced in uh, the Gila National Forest down in mm-hmm. New Mexico. And they have a program down there that'll pay the rancher market value for a cow if, a, if he can prove a wolf killed it. Yeah. Which I think is great. So they can ha- actually have the wolves running around out there and mm-hmm. uh, keep the ranchers from being too pissed off about them being out there right, trying to run them off. Yeah. Cause that's all they care about at the end of the day. Yeah. Cause they, they reintroduced red wolves into the Smokies and they kept killing cows and stuff around the Smokies. So they had to get rid of them. I think they're in like an Island in North Carolina. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Just haul they- them all out there. Yeah, he touched on the red wolf in this in this book, and man, I don't know, I don't know if I missed something or not, but it really sounded like they're just a hybridized version of a gray wolf and a coyote. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, I could have missed something. It's a, it's a pretty dense book. So if you get distracted for a few lines, you could miss a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it well, It is a dense book. There's been several times I've wanted to read it and I'll pick it up and look at it. And be like, eh, yeah. Not right yeah. <laughs> More than I want to dive into. It has a really small font too. And that I, I kind of discovered that messes me up a little bit. Concentrating. Hard, yeah. But, harder to stay on track. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a really, it's a, I have a new found respect for the coyote. Um, oh, and, and to this day, there is a program uh, by being paid for by taxpayer dollars on coyote uh, eradication and management control and finding new ways to uh, get completely get rid of them maybe not not get rid of them but but control more more humane ways other than uh poison i mean they were using these these poisons i don't know if they still do or not but it sounds like just an absolute miserable uh way to go the way uh, he described (laughs) the the way they find these these coyotes like it's like getting ebola or something yeah and uh you know if uh, usually those who say coyote are are for the coyote that um, there aren't against it they don't hate the coyote but those who say coyote really don't appreciate the coyote very much <laughs> i like the coyotes i like i like the coyotes and i like to call them coyotes I, yeah i think i've always called them coyotes i, I mean interchangeably like all the time well now that i'm aware i'll start calling them coyote I do have an update on the rare wolf, red wolves uh, in North Carolina. Uh, for those interested, they are going to start reintroducing them in the wild again in eastern North Carolina. So that would be oh, wow. towards the ocean. Cool. A federal judge ordered it. So nice. Yeah. I think there there's a population of them on Galveston Island near the. Oh really? The western end. But Galveston anyway, island of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they the only one man <laughs> scott with a t <laughs> yeah right. one star reviews him there are some oh, yeah. uh, but uh great book that uh like i said it's really dense um but i enjoyed it i got it done in about two and a half weeks or so probably probably longer than that um pretty good clip good. for how dense it is yeah, it's uh, very well cited. Bibliography is pretty, pretty large, so there's not a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of. Uh, it's all the evidence in there is backed. All the facts are backed. A second, one second here. There was a. I can never, I can never get those hours of my life back. Overly pol- political, boring. <laughs> muddled anyway there there's a lot of stuff like that are we still not clear on who indians are and who they are not (laughs) that's a good one lots of boring info on how coyotes came to be called man that was a freaking awesome chapter man what is this guy talking about (laughs) uh it's probably a bunch of other coyote biologists that don't like dan flores right (laughs) (laughs) the only people who read the book yeah (laughs) or it's a bunch of people that got over there because of joe rogan and it's the only book they've ever read yo the cover art on this thing (laughs) is freaking sweet though yeah it is that's pretty cool (laughs) it's real badass but man look hey thought I'm just saying, I, I really do appreciate the coyote a little more. And I have not heard, there's been several nights that in the past that they have woken me up here at the barn when they're howling and yapping and barking. But I haven't heard them in a while. Heard it and it kind of makes me book. sad since I've read the book. I'm like, <laughs> I want to hear them, man. I, I've got a new respect for them. <laughs> right. Yeah, you want them there now. I see them right here in town sometimes, especially if I'm at a golf course or something thriving that's probably where they're at maybe that's why malcolm gladwell wants to get rid of golf courses 
hates the coyotes. <laughs> I'm fucking well, I still can't. I'm still not over that. <laughs> Jared, you got anything else? No, sir. All right. What you got? I brought uh, the Dog Stars by Peter Heller. Nice. It's a short little fiction book. I uh, picked it up. Uh, came highly recommended from the Mountain and Prairie podcast, Ed Robertson. And so he's, uh, I've read a couple that he's recommended and really enjoyed. And this one was no different. Uh, it's set in a, a post-apocalyptic world. I hate, I hate using that phrase, but it's a, it's a world where a flu had killed 99% of the people. COVID. Yeah, I picked a good time to read it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the the main character. Well, so I should I should start with saying that it's written kind of funny. It's written almost like his like a journal or kind of like his rambling thoughts. Yeah, uh, and so it can be hard to follow at times. And when I get to the one star reviews. Uh, it was, it's pretty clear that that irritated a lot of people. I didn't hate it though. I mean, it was, it kind of, to me, it helped put me in the, in the time. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's written the written in a, like in hindsight, looking back. And so when you think about his thoughts or like it being a journal, it kind of helps put you there. It's not, you know, they didn't have a, well, so where he was living, he had, it was basically every man for himself. Was, if you see another person, you kill him before he kills you. But he had partnered up with this guy who had a big spread of land up in the plains of Colorado in a runway. And the main character happens to be a pilot. And so they have a, they can kind of work together because he'll go up in his plane and check their, uh, their plot, if you will. But anyways, uh, it's kind of, the whole the whole story is basically trying to get back to a new normal or things like that and so one day he hears a a radio signal while he's flying and decides that he's going to try to get out to uh find that signal and he meets some other people along the way uh and so i don't want to give up too much of the story as always but uh i found the book to be a really good read i read it pretty quick uh, probably in about a week of regular reading time plus a flight. Uh, it's only <laughs> you had you had mentioned on, that you were expecting it to be longer, and so you you ran out of twenty minutes. Yeah, fly so out. flying <laughs> flying back from Georgia, I uh, I started reading it about as soon as the plane took off, and within twenty minutes, I had finished it. I thought I had a lot more to read than I did. <laughs> But uh, my, my copy is only about 320 pages. Uh, and it definitely, you know, it, it's a good fit for people like us because this guy, he takes his vacations even while, you know, it's not like he has to work or anything, but he still tries to make an effort to get up in the mountains and hike and fly fish and stuff. And then, uh, of course, I guess the main parts, he's got his dog with him. Uh, you know, his dog's kind of his best pal and, and essentially even his only reason to even bother trying to stay alive. So in that time. I had started it on my way back from Texas and I, I apologize to the author because I never finish any book. I start on vacation, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of, I really agree with the way you had said it was written uh, I think I could see how people complain about it, but he did do a really good job of making you feel like you were in the story. Yeah. I would there. almost, I would almost equate the writing to like when you're laying in bed at night, trying to type something in your notes real quick before you forget. Yeah. That's yeah. almost how the whole book is written. I do think I, I did have trouble with that a little bit. Sometimes I'd get lost in the reading i'd be like what the hell is going on yeah so i'd have to backtrack a little bit but well, i would also kind of just like that anyway yeah i had that problem too and and i i actually kind of run into that problem anytime i try a new author and yeah. run into it a lot with cormac mccarthy it's like you just kind of got to find the 
the rhythm or your rhythm for the riding. And once you get to that point, it makes it a little bit easier. I was going to yeah. ask, do you know when he is talking? Like, are there quotations? No, no quotations. Oh, so it is like Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just that way. All right. Yeah. Mess so you like, up if you're not ready no, for it. This sentence says, uh, <laughs> There's was no hurry, really plenty of water in big rivers. If we got stranded in junction, waited a couple of weeks to fatten up. So that was the start of a paragraph. So if they, uh, what'd they do about the Giardia problem? Well, uh, they, he actually boiled his water, I believe. And they had a well at the compound, but he was well aware of Giardia when he was on his fly fishing trips. That was smooth. Yeah. Good job, John. Good job. <laughs> yeah, so some one-star reviews. Writing style drove me crazy. The author rarely uses complete sentences. Uh, I was prepared for a good novel, but that's not what I got. Man, that's brutal. Yeah. This is one of those books that I wasn't able to finish. The author has a writing style drove me that shit crazy and i couldn't get into the story itself there's a one-star review here that I, I think is for a different book too just to point that out uh oh man they couldn't yeah uh, this one says some over-the-top disturbing parts definitely is there is uh some intermittent violence throughout it yeah the story was modestly interesting however the vulgar and crass language overshadowed the plot and i once again don't remember any vulgar language but i may just not notice it yeah i use plenty of it myself so but i would definitely recommend it uh peter heller has several other books there's a couple i'm more interested in than others there's uh, a river one too isn't it yeah uh the Is one about I'm in it I, the one I want to read is called The Painter. And yeah, he's got the river. Uh, I think the river might be about fly fishing, actually, Jared. Let's see. Well, hang on. Let me add this to my list. The river. Two young men. Let's see here. Two college students on a wilderness canoe trip. A distant wildfire is the first portent of danger. So... I'd recommend it though, and probably his other books too. I'm definitely going to read The Painter here before too long. Just go into it knowing that uh, there's bad language and the writing's a little bit unique. And then uh, some other news. We put it on the Instagram this last Thursday. Our boy Larry McMurtry passed away at the ripe old age of 84. Rest in peace. I, I only really knew of you for the last few months, but I. You provided many hours of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, between all of us. A lot of adventure. Yeah, a lot of adventure. Mm -hmm. And I definitely want to uh, kind of spark me to want to read some more of his stuff. So see if I can't do that. I want to read the uh, books that are supposed to be set in Archer City. Thalia, Thalia, like, Last, Last Picture, Picture Show. Show. Yeah. I also want to read his books book that I bought. So Archer City, is that near uh, Wichita Falls? Yeah. I also want to go see the bookstore up there. Yeah, man, it's pretty uh, a little bummed out. But I, I'm curious to uh, to see what incomplete novels he has and whether or not whether or not they'll be finished. Yeah, I heard there was two of them. Really? Yeah that he was either working on or had finished and never published. Big literary loss. I would suspect, knock on wood, but I imagine Cormac McCarthy probably ain't far behind. <laughs> Always coming threes. Uh, yeah. yeah, no kidding. That's a good point. Well, I did see another author died, a popular children's book author, Beverly. So we just need one more? Yeah. So, so we can spare Cormac? Yeah. <laughs> What if Cormac is a one? Yeah. I don't know. The third. He's 87. Stephen King's pretty damn old, too. You know, I I just, man, the books, like the Lonesome Dove series, man, just a, a, such a good tale. 
It really is. You could literally forget where you are and just just get lost in the book, man. Like, it happened, it's yeah. that well. It happened to me on all four of them. And we've covered all of them on this here podcast. Mm-hmm. Between the three of us. Yeah, Jared's I did read, hear. You read a lot of his other stuff, too. You covered Billy the, Billy the Anything for Billy? Yeah. Um, Boone's Lick, which is hilarious. Yeah, I need to read Boone's Lick. <laughs> you know, on the last picture show, the, the locals really did not like that book. Because <laughs> it it portrayed an image of the city that the city didn't want right. portrayed. Well, people, people were probably reading it and be like, that sounds a lot like my wife or something. <laughs> <laughs> All the characters in it. I don't, I don't know if he was welcome after that or, or, or not. But it was well, shit, he lived there for Pretty funny. He also, uh, when he won his Oscar, I guess, his movie, uh-huh. that's the movie one, right? For Brokeback mm-hmm. Mountain, apparently everyone was real upset with him for his like lack of excitement about getting the award. It was like he was more <laughs> pissed off about having to be there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I there there's an interview. I'm sure I've said this before on here, but the the last time this the moment he was done writing Lonesome Dove was the last time he ever picked it up. He never did look yeah. at it again after that. Oh, that <laughs> he, was, was, he was he was done with it. He yeah. was done. <laughs> I read something else too that he he did not edit his books at all. What? Yeah, he said he hated editing, and so I'm sure somebody did. But right, so there's I mean, there's got to be errors in there. I don't know. I think editing involves a little more than that, though. To the kind of like maybe like hey, this doesn't flow too right. Like mm-hmm. this part doesn't make any sense. Probably just left it to an intern. Yeah. <laughs> you get James on it. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> McMurtry. Did James McMurtry say anything? No, all I all I read was yep. that he was there with them. Ah. All, the whole family was, so yeah. It's good. He was amongst loved ones. So it, it was anticipated. Yeah, he it, had a it wasn't congestive sudden. heart failure. probably bad diet and lack of sleep over the years one thing i did say is or i did like that he did was that every day no matter what he wrote five pages a double spaced really yeah no matter what every day no matter where he was what he was doing so discipline equals freedom of whatever came to his mind yeah i'm sure you know it was probably always of some project or other but uh-huh yeah I, 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 if there are books out there at least so there's two of them I'd, I'd like to see how those yeah come out especially as he was older unpublished there's gotta be a ton of other unpublished books that he has in his own archive oh yeah for sure i would think for every one you publish you probably write five that don't especially at that level unless you're james yeah. patterson then they all get published <laughs> <laughs> or what's his name john grisham yes yeah, john grisham stephen king i would like to read john grisham i just don't see where i could ever begin yeah they're where pretty long do too? you start yeah. yeah they're not short thick the one i've got i think it's called the testament it's like it's like dime store novel but it's 800 pages <laughs> Speaking of dime store novels, I cannot stand that size of book. No, I can't. I hate it. I cannot get it to open when I'm trying to read it. And then by the time you're done, it's all warped. Yeah. I think I have like one of those in my collection. And I I specifically avoid them if I can. Yeah. I may have to go get a new night shift so I can have the one that matches my Stephen King, my Salem's Lot, my Shining. So are you guys big on like trying to keep them, keep your books matching? If I've got a, you know, like all the Killing Eng- uh, the Killing series by Bill O'Reilly, 
yeah definitely trying to keep like all those the same and uh or like malcolm gladwell back when i was still a fan all his books were the white hardbacks you know i liked all those i wouldn't go buy a paperback of them yeah i try to do that too with the with all of mine i have a few that are mismatched like my lonesome dove series they are introduced they have introduced a new one but they're still trying to sell the other ones oh yeah Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find them in in stores to pick the right one so my lonesome dove is a new one but the right uh, never know what's going to show up on amazon yeah and then i have a, a trilogy that I had read the first two on paperback and the, the last one had come out and I picked it up because I wanted to read it on hardback. And so that drives me nuts. I'm going to try to keep my, my, uh, Michael Crichton collection all in the, the pocket all the book. stores. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's all of them are, are that size anyway. Might as well keep going. Your lonesome doves, a pocketbook one too. And that thing's beat to hell. Oh yeah, dude. The <laughs> bindings held together by masking tape. <laughs> <laughs> I still like reads. A, yeah, I like when a book has seen some things. <laughs> All my lonesome doves have got water damage from being by a pool or something. Not my lonesome <laughs> doves, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. No, I mean. <laughs> so, well. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. We'll pour one out for you. Damn it. I did sign up for the Sky Island 50K, September 18th, Fort Where's Davis, Texas. Uh, Is that the same course? That's yeah. So that's the same run? course. Uh, I knew I know some people who ran hundred milers, finishing today successfully. Mm-hmm. There was only apparently have only been three people ever finished that course. So wow. and, and all three of them were today. Wow. And so this is the same or similar route that I'll be running in this 50 K. And so I'm not exactly feeling confident <laughs> in my decision to do it there. Is it but a two loop course or single, uh, the hundred, the hundred miler, your 50 K my 50 K will be, I think it's two loops, two loops. Yeah. And the hundred miler they did today actually ended up being 110 miles and it was Ooh. i think it was 10 loops maybe oh. 14 i think it was originally going to be 14 but they got it condensed to 10 so we had discussed this earlier how pissed would you be in those last 10 miles <laughs> of a of a race that's advertised as a 100 mile right. race well and you just last week were saying if you're on a five mile hike and your watch hits two and a half on the way out you're turning <laughs> around <laughs> i don't care if that waterfall is 0.1 miles away yeah. <laughs> i am mentally done that's it but then the other part of that was would you rather sign up for a hundred miler and it'd be 110 or it'd be 95 what about you, Jerry? What do you think? Uh, I think that would be pretty defeating <laughs> to know you're <laughs> ten miles short right. of of the finish. That takes some serious mental strength to, to get to. That. Oh yeah, to get to a hundred and have ten more. Yeah, I mean you're uh, already. Yeah. I mean I. It sure. took him. It took the the guy I know thirty one hours, and I don't think he slept. If feet. I had to guess, jeez. So back on the the ninety five thing, I feel like you wouldn't be able to say you ran a hundred miler if it was no ninety five. I, I wouldn't be able to say that. But yeah, I'd say I, it was supposed to be a hundred miler, but the course was short. I got lied to. I'd ask for my money back, man. Ultras ain't <laughs> cheap. It was ninety five miles. I I'd be pissed. If, if it was actually 100 miles and my watch was off by like 2% and I had only 98 on my watch. Yeah, that would piss me off even more than anything. <laughs> and I, I always wonder if that's what happens, but everybody was clocking it. So good job, Garmin, having some consistency there. He, uh, I'm going to ask him about his battery charging methods because there ain't no way my watch would stay alive for 31 hours on GPS. But Garmin <laughs> just put out the Garmin Endurance, which is 
a Phoenix body, but it can, I think it can record for 60 hours. Oh, really? Which is a long time. Yeah. And it has solar charging. It could have almost gone 200. Yeah. Cameron Haynes did a 100 miler this weekend, too. Really? Uh, yeah, miles 97. Somebody asked him, uh, how are you feeling? He says, I wish I had 100 more. <laughs> Is this an official race or was it a personal challenge? Uh, this one was a race. Nice. That Enduro watch is only $800. Just, I, know, I was just looking at it. <laughs> just 800 bones. That's on sale at Cabela's. The, uh, no, it was an official race. He got, he won his age group. His son did it too. But he is also the type that go run 100 miles just because it's just to do it. Yeah, just because it's Sunday. Friend said, hey, why don't yeah. you come down? <laughs> just run weekend. a 50K on Saturday. Yeah. The, uh, that's something I heard from the Green Lights book, which I think one of us will have to break down and read. Matthew McConaughey's. You. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. But uh, there's things like you need to get friends that'll say yes to anything. Drugs. Along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been misquoted. I'll double check. <laughs> Within you know, reason. You know, we Within were talking reason. About, yeah, we were talking about uh, Dirt Myth or whatever. To about Steven, yeah. you know, he's just game for whatever, just happy to be along for the ride. What are y'all reading next? I'm going to read Missoula by uh, Crack Hour. Oh, yeah, you already said that. Don't uh, hold me to that, though. <laughs> I uh, I just finished Wolf Boys this morning. Oh, man, how was it? It's good. It'd be a good, be a good discussion. Well, I guess, all right. I don't know what I'm going to read next. I hadn't. Uh, Nothing's just screaming my name at the moment, but I'd like to read that. Uh, Kathy wants me to read one of her books. Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah, Where the Crawdads Sing. Maybe I will. I've heard good things about it. You know, we have uh, strayed away from popular books, pop, you know, whatever. I don't know what the right word is. Pop publishing or whatever. There, There's one that, that's come out. It has been recommended by a lot of people. Uh Mostly, you know, sister and other friends at work, largely female, but, and that's educated. Oh yeah. I've seen and that. One, one of my coworkers uh, kind of broke it down for me and it sounds absolutely insane. I think I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Let's hit some pop. John, you can still read Missoula. All right. I, uh, now where the crowd at, well, so what got, my wife read where the crawdads sing like in one night got up at three in the morning she's still God reading dang. but uh so she recommended it and then we were talking about those books about isolation a while back and i googled best books on it and martian was one of them and then that was one of mm -hmm. them too so since then i've had a little more interest so that's a good idea i'll do that see how it goes we're late to the game but at least, at least you did it. At least we're in You're the gonna game. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you guys watching any TV shows? Recommend any? Jared, what'd you say you were reading? Oh, I'm going to start Pappy Land. Oh, hell yeah. Yes, sir. I think it's going to be a pretty quick read. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a good one, too. I bet that'll be yeah. a good one to hear on, on the show. Yes, sir. Uh, Especially because we're called the Bourbon Book Show. Yeah. None of us drink bourbon. <laughs> I don't know I'm shit not even about drinking bourbon. at all. <laughs> You're about to know a damn lot about it, apparently. <laughs> uh, John, I'm not watching any TV shows. March Madness lately. And then and Kathy will watch it 2020 or 48 hours every so often. They still run those? Oh, hell yeah. I like clockwork. You watch Jerry, are you watching anything? <laughs> Man, I really don't watch a lot of tv at all sorry i brought it up <laughs> I what are you gonna watch john what are you gonna watch you're I'm obviously excited to tell us about uh, one yeah, let's hear 
trying to make conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm watching Succession on HBO. It's pretty good. It's kind of like billions in that realm of TV show. Oh, nice. I need to watch that one too. What was the one you were watching? Silicon Valley? Yeah. That's that an AMC show, right? No, it was HBO too. Oh, really? Yeah. HBO also. I'll have to... I've been toying with the idea of getting an HBO add-on just so I can watch The Outsider too. HBO now is great. I'm, I'm about to replace uh, Netflix. My problem is once I get on a TV show, it just takes your life over yeah it consumes me until i'm done with it and then we're gotten in a bad habit of not ever finishing a series we'll watch 4.8 seasons and never know what happens in the end 4.8 out of the five you don't want it to end we watched uh stranger things obsessively and then got to like having three episodes left and never (laughs) never finished that's happened with several shows Sometimes they just lose your interest. I, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't want to say it's losing interest, but could be. Uh, I, I want to know if there's another season of Narcos House out. Damn good show. I got to research it. I really probably, love the original. Probably won't watch it. You ought to just read Wolf Boys. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what I'll do. Good luck finding it because I bought the only one in Somerville. That's right. <laughs> I suppose I could send it to you, but it's going to be next year. So, nah. Anyways, y'all got any closing thoughts? Nope. <clears throat> Ready no, to hear sir. about Happy Land? It's yeah, I'm exciting. excited to start it. <laughs> Sorry, John. No, you're fine. I'm excited about the Masters coming up. Oh yeah. Next week. No, it's two weeks. It's not on yeah. Easter this year. The azaleas are in full bloom around here, man. Are they? It's You know it's getting close. I need mine to come back. You got some in your yard? Yeah, they're not quite ready yet. You need to show your house right at <laughs> yeah. peak Right as soon as they're blooming. Yeah. <laughs> there ain't nothing blooming around here. Yet. Yeah, it's coming, though. All the weeds. Very. You know the so when we were cruising around, we saw some dogwoods. I uh, I found some some pink dogwoods the other day. Pretty damn cool. I don't you don't usually see them. Yeah, the dogwoods are my favorite. Yeah, yeah. they're blooming here too. That's the really cool. the few the few got pink around. ones. Every uh, now and again, I've seen a pink one or two. I actually know one house has a bunch of them, or my- two of them. My crepe myrtles are coming in now. Yeah, I've always wanted a crepe myrtle too. I'm gonna have to get me one. It's about to be yard work season over here. Did a little bit today. Not much. It's good I to be back though. Redid my garden yesterday. Yeah, it took a few hours and a few hundred dollars. And <laughs> looks good. I'm always amazed at how long it doesn't take. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like I'll do a whole flower bed and it takes an hour. Like, what the heck? I thought it was gonna be an all day event. Yeah, my I have a buddy that does all my yard work and but he was done in two hours. Like I was reading school work in the morning and he was done before I even got up. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Good lord. And he wasn't like using anything special. He was wheelbarrowing it up. Uh, have y'all ever heard Sebastian Manicalo? He's the stand-up comedian. He has any of y'all got these woodworking type buddies? He'll be like, you go over to their house and be like, you want to see the deck? And like, you got a deck? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I built it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's not me, that's for sure. Not with wood, at least. I can landscape pretty well, but so all right then. Well nothing else to be said get those miles in i'm ready yes, to sir. my uh, 50k plan starts saturday yes sir so i hadn't run in three weeks by that point so we'll see how that goes but thank you 
Thank you for listening to the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast. Our aim with this show is to encourage people to read widely, enjoy good beverages in moderation, get outside, and have good conversations. We hope we can meet this goal while serving as good company for you, the listener. If you enjoy the show, please let us know by subscribing to and reviewing the podcast and following us on Instagram. If you really enjoy the podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to help us continually improve the show. You can find the link to do this in the show notes for this episode or on our Instagram page at bourbon underscore bookshelf. Thank you and we'll see you next time.